Hey everyone, this is Dorenda Wilson. Welcome to this week's podcast. I am really grateful that you're here with me today. I have a very special guest who I will introduce in just a few minutes. Um, I want to thank you all for leaving reviews and sharing this podcast with your friends. I also want to remind you that on my blog, you can listen to all the podcasts from there. And also there's blog posts with more encouragement if you're looking for more encouragement for your mom heart. Last thing, if you haven't checked out The Unhurried Homeschooler, it is on Amazon. It is my simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. I also wrote a devotional that is just for homeschooling moms called Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, and that is also on Amazon. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you our son, Jake. He is 24 years old. He lives in Denver, and that's actually where we are recording from today. Usually, I record from my home in North Carolina, but we are out here visiting with Jake for a few days. My husband and I came out to visit, and so we get to do this at his apartment in his town on his turf. So welcome, Jake. Thanks for being here. Yeah. I'm excited to have him because, uh, you know, he's the oldest boy. So uh, if you guys have homeschooled boys and girls you know, both genders, you, you kind of know there's usually a, a difference between the two. And so he was sort of like, you know, being the oldest, they always say it's kind of like your experiment. And <laughs> so that was Jake. And, uh, you know, he fared really well. I'm, I'm really thankful. He's a smart guy. And uh, he was really a fun, fun kid growing up. Um, so a lot of you have asked me, if I would sit down and talk with each of our adult kids and I've already talked with our two oldest who are girls. And so now we're visiting with Jake and he's going to, uh, we're just going to, I'm just going to ask him some questions and uh, things that I think that you might be curious to know. Um, one of the first things was I, we're going to kind of start in the early years, like I did with the girls and this, uh, just wondering kind of what your earliest memories were as a child. Um, not a whole lot. I mean, outside playing I'd run we had that house um on Peter Anderson where we would always get that giant shop that had all that stuff in it from the prior owner and I just go out there and play around and um yeah yeah imagine building great things right right which it's it's amazing their imaginations are so uh they just grow so much when they're kids especially when they're given time and space to do that so we had this shop that came with this house that we bought and we thought the older gentleman that sold us the house was eventually going to come back and get all this stuff right all these little pieces and parts and screws and I don't remember what all was out there I don't either I spent a lot of time out there (laughs) he spent a lot of time out there and I remember one time he came in the house and he said okay mom I'm ready to plug it in and I was like whoa 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 mom does not do electricity and so you're gonna have to wait till dad gets home so my husband came home I said you need to go out and check this thing out that Jake Jake put together he wants to plug it in and my husband came back in and said well it's probably a good thing he didn't plug it in Totally would have worked. Yeah, that's right. Totally. So uh, may have uh, yeah burned down the shop. Who knows? All I know is that uh, you really loved to take things apart and put things back together. Um, another story is the coffee grinder. I remember that. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We had this coffee grinder that was broken, and you know, we love our coffee, right? So yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> so when the coffee grinder breaks, it's a big deal. It's kind of a crisis. And but you know, I, I figured I couldn't fix it, and I thought, well, I'm just going to give it to Jake. If nothing else, he'll have fun taking it apart and putting it back together. And I just said, hey, bud, you know, can you take this and try to fix it? 
I don't remember how much longer. I don't think it was that much longer. He came back to me and hands it to me, and I plugged it in, and it actually worked. And You kind of walked in halfway through the project, and I had the whole thing in pieces on the counter, and you're like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Okay, yes. Let's let's see how this ends up. Well, it turned out really great. The, you, you let me plug that one in? I did let him plug that one in. It's true. And I'm so glad because uh, we didn't have to buy another coffee grinder for a really long time. I remember like several years later saying, I can't believe this thing still works. <laughs> it was great. So it was better maybe than when we got it. I don't know. So uh, when you were young, you had quite a bit of time to play and, uh, you know, do those kinds of boy things that boys like to do, uh, mm-hmm. run outside, play, dig holes. I mean, you did all kinds of stuff. And then you yeah. had some little brothers to bring with you. Yeah, so, eventually. Yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of, um, probably a lot of outdoor play, I would say. Yeah, just a lot of playing drum. I mean, that was before a lot of technology. So, yeah, we went outside. And, right. And uh, we played and um, or we played inside. You know, we made things up. Inside play was a little more, it was a little different back then because you'd be like, it'd be wrestling, it'd be running, it'd be right. stitches, it'd be, you know, whatever. <laughs> that occasional um, trip to the emergency <laughs> room. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was uh, a lot of active play, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that too. I just remember the noise. It was a lot of noise and, um, you know, I just think I had my limits. So sometimes I would just be okay. Like we need to be done. But, um, but they were, you know, just so good at entertaining themselves and building forts and, you know, just all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, it was, it was actually really fun to see some of the things that they came up with. So lots of playing during that time. Um, so let's talk to the mom who has little boys. And we're talking like, you know, preschoolers, five, six, seven, mm-hmm. who just don't want to sit still. They can't seem to sit still. I feel I feel like there's like a reason for that. It's because they want to do something. Obviously, right. they, they mm-hmm. want to be active. They want to do things. I think that's actually really important when it comes to their education mm-hmm. that they have that desire to do things. Without that desire to accomplish something, you don't really have much of a reason to learn anything you know exactly um so i think it's really important but i understand it can also get um a bit overwhelming right um i think honestly the best way to handle that one is to make sure you wear them out when you need to (laughs) you know they'll they'll wear themselves out easily but uh you got to get them there so um yeah i remember we used to have a a small um, we had a big trampoline but then we also had a small indoor trampoline like that Mm -hmm. was just a few feet wide and i remember especially with silas our youngest I would just, when he started, just like he couldn't sit still when we were doing schoolwork, I'd say, okay, mm-hmm. go bounce on the trampoline. And he would just, you know, if the weather was bad, he could bounce on that. Yeah. And he just, this, and I've heard that that jumping up and down is actually really good for your brain and it helps mm-hmm. kind of reset things to start learning again. So I love what you said, though, about like the fact that they're wiggling and want to move means probably that they should wiggle and move, you know? Yeah. And they want to do things. And that's, that's the thing. At that point, they haven't really made necessarily the connection between the stuff they're learning and the application for right. it. It's really hard because that's what a lot of it is. Is like you learn. Some people learn just for the sake of learning, but I think for most boys, it's that they learn for the sake of application. Right. And so, right. so if there's no application, there's probably not going to be a lot, a lot of, of interest. They're going to go do something. They want to go do something, and they don't right. realize that what they're learning is something that they will later use to do right. things. But right, right. now, they're just 
They just want to they, do they, things. They want to go do things. Yeah. yeah. And I was reading um, a book by John Holt called Learning All the Time. And that's one of the things that he brought up was that kids don't want to learn. They're not interested in learning fragments of things in order to mm-hmm. hopefully do something real later on. They actually want to jump in and do something real yeah. now. Yeah. And then what happens is these kids have these hands-on experiences. Why they're so hands-on and they always want to be doing because that's where they are developmentally. And then later on, when they start to get more into the more cognitive stuff, the, the dots start to connect. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this stuff makes sense. And I feel like that's why a lot of kids struggle with like algebra because algebra is not super applicable mm-hmm. in general. It's used in calculus and calculus is super applicable, especially if you're going to physics or engineering or a number of fields, but it's like algebra is just kind of a setup for that. So that's one of those things where it's like one of those things you have to learn, but it's hard because you don't see why you're learning it at the, at the time. Right. Right. And it's, it sounds like it's something you'd want to learn if you were going into calculus, but if you're not, there's not like, yeah, not really a few a other fields, there's a few fields that use it, but yeah, for the most part, it's, it's, it's not something that a lot of us will use on a day to day basis. Well, I think that might be a relief for some of the moms <laughs> who are listening and the kids yeah. <laughs> who are like, yeah. Hey, can I get out of algebra two, please? <laughs> yeah. This isn't a free pass, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it could be, you know, yeah, really exactly. honestly, cause if you're, if your child is not going to go into a field that involves a lot of math, um, it, it might be good to choose to spend that time on something else. You know, something yeah. they're more passionate yeah. about. Um, or a variant of math that is more applicable to what like they're doing. Like consumer math? Yeah, right. consumer, teach them how to do their taxes, teach them, right. you know, it could be something different. Maybe they're more interested in a field that requires statistics. Right. And so maybe it'd be a better route to go into probabilities and statistics rather than algebra. Right. And I would say that, you know, probably the kid is going to be sort of interested in that already if that's a direction they're going to go, right? Wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah. Cause, Most likely. So, because I think we run into this thing as moms where we're like, okay, maybe he's going to need statistics. So let's try statistics. And the kid is like not interested at all. Yeah. He's not making any connections. It's not really fitting together. Exactly. So it's just, it's just such a, it's a challenge. <clears throat> but I think it's, this is where it comes back to sort of being a student of your child and understanding like what their interests really are and letting them really pursue those. Um, and then I noticed, uh, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but when you got into college, it was like once, or once you decided that you uh, knew what you were going to do, all of a sudden it was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to learn more math. I've got to up the ante on my math. And you went after that yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of was more, uh, yeah, a few years later, I got decided I wanted to be a programmer when I was like 12. So it was... Um, yeah, I had to up my math game a bit and I knew I needed to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I had a couple people say, yeah, if you want to be a programmer, you got to be good at math. And I was like, okay, I guess I got to be good at math now. And it comes back to that having an application for what I was learning right? and not just learning it for the sake of learning. Right. Yeah. That's, that's sort of like the glue that holds it together. But I just remember thinking, well, you're out of luck if you're, if you think you're going to get help from me. And he already <laughs> knew that obviously, cause I don't think he even tried, but, um, he, you know, found some resources online and just kind of navigated his way through it. And, um, a lot of problem solving for you. I think that was a big, yeah. a big yeah. thing. And, and it's interesting because you do so much of that in the job you have now. Mm-hmm. So really that, that need to have to figure that out on your own, sort of fed into what you were going to end up doing down the road, just being a problem solver, yeah. um, which is going to be helpful on any field that you're exactly. in. just having exactly. that ability to be able to solve, solve problems and a desire to overcome yeah. instead of seeing them as um, limiting 
factors. You see mm-hmm. them as, okay, how can we overcome this? Yeah. You know? And those are usually the higher paying career paths is right. people who have to problem solve. Right. So. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So we're moving on into the elementary years. Okay. Let's just talk about, um, let's see. Do you remember hating anything? Um, yeah, of course everyone, you know, I, I hate it in language and grammar. I was, I think it was particularly painful for me just because I felt I could speak well mm-hmm. and just because of where we grew up, right. you know, you always enforce that we speak English well, but I, so I felt it was like, I was like, I can, I can say things fine. Like, right, why right. do I, <laughs> why do I have to know the why, rules? Why am I concerned about the rules? I can tell you when something doesn't sound right. Right. Um, so well, Yeah. Okay, so it's basically like the grammar books that drove you crazy. And I think at some point yeah. we did toss those. Yeah. And we just went to... Uh, I think the big concern was spelling. Right. Which, I think we ended up kind of honing in on that a little bit more. But yeah. Um, and yeah. You, mainly, I think we ended up just keeping it really simple. And just you read and you wrote a summary. Yeah, something, something yeah. like that too. So we could handle some spelling things and punctuation and grammar issues by just going over something you'd written. Mm-hmm. And um, I did that. I remember sitting in the chair and every day each kid would come to me with their schoolwork when they thought they were done and I would go through it all. So on a daily basis, we would sort of look it over and keep any big problems or any problems from becoming big because we just sort of took a little chunk every day and uh, looked at it every day, sort of maintained every day. So um, that seemed to work really well. Um, however, when you got into college, that was when you took your entrance exam. That's when I got really nervous because I just, I was pretty sure that, you know, that that the problem was going to be the the English entrance exam, and it, it turned out nope, no, it was no. absolutely not a problem. Um, you can't, I asked you how you did, and you're like, "Oh, I aced it." Yeah, it was literally you read, and if something doesn't sound right, you click on it, and you pick the sentence that sounds right. And right, I'm like this is exactly what I was saying. Like right. it's just you select what you want, and uh, it was. You know, I could just read through and go, hey, just not even from book work, but just from from, from conversation. hearing English yeah. spoken well, be able to say that's not right and go and pick the right one. And right. that was literally all it was. So right. it was not that hard. So. Right. Yeah. So I, that was where I was really nervous. And then it turned out that it was totally fine. And then you got into um, your first class was very, very um, intense as far as like uh, it was three different subjects in one class it was like a community yeah. class so but one of the main things was you had to do a lot of writing and I remember reading your your first paper and and just like being blown away at how well it was written and again I think this came back to at, down to application you needed to do it because this was part of getting to where you wanted to go and so mm-hmm. you just sort of like yeah, you took the bull yeah. by the horns and yeah and did it so yeah that was uh, that was really um, an interesting thing to to watch play out and I remember uh, you mentioned earlier during the during the elementary years uh, <laughs> we were talking about this. Like we didn't we waited a really long time to get any kind of video gaming set, but you guys would play a game on the computer. Mm-hmm. And one time, you were just reminding me that you uh, what happened? There was a game you guys were playing. We'd always play this game, and it was technically a one player game, but we somehow turned it into a two player game. Like one person would operate half the controls, and the other person would operate <laughs> would operate the other half. <laughs> And uh, great teamwork right there. <laughs> That's um, right. But it was like 101 Dalmatians or something. Yeah, it was an old one. I actually tried to hunt it down a few years ago. Did you try to see if I could get another copy? But uh, <laughs> I don't know if they still make computers. I'll run it. But um, anyway, 
Yeah, and eventually, you know, you needed a disk to run it, and uh, eventually, I, uh, the disk drive failed on the computer. We couldn't play anymore, so um, I hunted down a disk drive. One of the guys at school gave at right. Homelink right. Uh, gave it to me, and uh, I took it back, put the computer open, pulled the old one out, put the new one in, plugged it all in, tried to wire it all up the same. <laughs> And it worked, and we were back to playing. It's so. amazing what a little motivation will do, right? I had application. <laughs> you had application again. Boy, I think there's a there's a lesson to be learned here. But yeah, it, it, so that, those were kind of just some of your earliest memories working on computers and that kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. And when yeah. you mentioned Home Link, um, that was like a it was like a co op type of thing that that the kids went to once a week, and um, and it was you know you took some classes there. There was. A, what specifically uh, got you interested in computer science? Like, can you remember when you went, huh, this is really interesting. I like doing this. Was it at home? Was it at home link? Mm, it was kind of a mix. We had done a couple things with computers, like I said, a couple mm-hmm. fixes and stuff. And I'd always been interested in how things worked and tearing things apart. And, right. Um, I'd taken a couple computers apart. But as far as computer science as I do it now, because I'm more of a software engineer now, not really a, a hardware person, uh, probably started at, I think I started at Barnes & Noble. We were there, I was, I'll say, 12, I was 12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, like any 12-year-old, I played video games. And there was a book on how to make video games. And I was like, this seems interesting. <laughs> I'd really like to try this. And uh, I remember I picked it up, and you said we could get it as long as it wasn't one of those things that I buy and never read. Right. And uh, so there's some extra motivation there to to prove you wrong. But uh, (laughs) I read the whole book cover to cover and loved it. Um, It kind of made me feel special because it was like something that no one else really did. Right. And it challenged me, and I found just that challenge of making the pieces of the program fit together and and making it work was, was really fun. And then, uh, yeah, and I, I got encouragement, of course, from other people, like, at Homelink and stuff. Right. Like, um, I was, uh, Miss Molly wasn't the principal at the time, right. but uh, I remember she came by one day and was like, wow, that's really cool. And she, like, really encouraged me and just, you know, at 12 years old told me I was smart. And I was like, okay, that, that really, that kind of encouragement carried right. me a long way. Right. And uh, decided this is what I wanted to do. And right. so... Um, what I did. I just remember everything just clicking with you on this particular topic. You know, like bef- before we went to had that Barnes and Noble trip. I, from my end, I'm going to speak from where I was as a mom, and that was, you know, Jake just really did not enjoy reading. There was nothing he really enjoyed reading, and so I just kept praying, and you know, because you know, you're thinking, okay, at some point, I'm hoping he enjoys reading something, and thinking, okay, he's 12, he's still not finding anything he enjoys. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of praying about it, and every time I was like tempted to push him a little bit. It was like God would say, uh-uh, just back yeah. off, leave him alone, let him do his thing. So I would. And then, so when he came to me in Barnes and Noble, I, I remember that just being a really like aha time mm-hmm. because you came to me with this book. You're like, cause we've been there before and you'd never found anything you really wanted. The other kids would have picked something out and you'd be like, eh, I didn't really see anything. I'm like, we're in this huge bookstore and you can't <laughs> find something you like. So we'd go home. But anyway, so this time was different. So when he hands me this book, I'm thinking, I am so curious. What is this book? What is this thing that has mm-hmm. finally engaged his interest? And it said C++. I had no idea what that was. That was a little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this, I, I think the very first book I had was just an intro game programming book. C++ was the next book I got. And that one was a little bit hard. That was probably 
me biting off more than I should have been chewing, but figured it out somehow. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, just that's yeah. called having a growth mindset. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing it. You're going. You know what? I can do this. I'm I mean, do this. yeah. It, I mean, things I learned from that. It was maybe a little too advanced for me, but but you, I learned you it. Had you know, I learned ways. most of it. Yeah. And um, by the time I got into college, and they had me doing entry level programming. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is easier because that was harder. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and I remember looking at this book and thinking, I, did, I couldn't even relate to how this could possibly be interesting. And yet he was so excited about it. And I'm like, okay, you know, and then I'm, and then that thought did come through my mind, you know, what if he just doesn't read it, you know? So then I'm like, okay, let's, let's see how I can use this to my advantage. <laughs> so I was, the, so I said to him, you know, uh, you can, uh, we'll get this book, but you have to promise to read the whole thing. He's like, I will. And he did. And then he read another one and another one and another one. And he was just off and running. And, uh, it was, it was pretty amazing to see. And I did not force required high school reading on him at any point because I felt yeah. like. One time I made myself read. I read a whole Hardy Boys book. A whole Hardy Boys book? It was, it was really, really painful. I forced myself to finish it, though, so <laughs> I don't remember what it was But now, as an adult, you you listen to a lot of audiobooks. You kind of found that that's something you enjoy. Yeah, I listen to some audiobooks. I read books every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I've recently done a little more, started doing a little more recreational reading. Normally, I just read technical stuff. Right. Um, but they... Uh, but I do a lot of it. You'd be amazed. Like, when I'm working on a project, whether it be at work or at home, I have to read and problem solve. And so you have to go and read. And I found one thing that one skill you gain that's, I think, really important is the ability to extract what you need from a large body of text. Like, right. I'll go and find an article on how to do something. And I really just need to know one specific thing. Right. And so I have to skim. I don't want to read the article top to bottom. So I just skim through it and I pull out what I need right and that's it's a kind of a different approach to reading but in that in that context I read a lot because I there's a lot of things you have to do put a lot of pieces you have to put together for for what I do that's a skill in and of itself just to be able to skim a like a big portion Mm -hmm. of stuff and be able to pull out what it is you need so yeah again it's application you know so you need it so you learn it Mm -hmm. um let's see i well, we were going to mention, too, um, we want to just want to make sure that moms are hearing uh, how important it is for boys to get a lot of physical activity. So we were kind of talking about this before we started recording, just that that energy and that wiggling and all of that is because they have just this a lot of physical energy that they need to blow off. And I think that that continues. I think they're getting they get better. You guys get better at sitting still as you get older, but you still have that need. To sort mm-hmm. of like blow off physically. Yeah, sometimes it's it's physically like you need to, but other times it's just like you feel the need to they feel the need to do something. Right. Um, and so I think sometimes As opposed like, to like, just doing book work. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to just doing book work or they need to do something more hands on. Right. Sometimes right. it doesn't always have to be extremely physical. Right. You can just have like something like you can give them something they can work on and, and solve and, and apply themselves to. Right. I think that helps burn some of that energy in a way that's not as um, invasive. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. And I think, too, that, you know, just there's something about putting your hands to work that mm-hmm. um, can sometimes help you yeah. concentrate better, you know, because yeah. I think that was your experience with um, with spelling. You know, you were struggling with spelling, and mm-hmm. I my gut was telling me, 
no no spelling curriculum. Don't torture the kid with this. And because I'm trying to picture us doing this together. First of all, you know, I've got seven other kids, so I'm thinking I don't think I can fit in one more thing. And all these other things I'm doing, I feel like are a priority. And yet I knew you needed help with spelling. And and then I'm picturing you responding to a spelling curriculum thinking that's not going to go well. <laughs> He's not going to enjoy that. It's just going to be awful. to be tortured for both of us. So I just didn't do anything. And I just prayed about it because I was like, I don't know what to do. And, you know, like, God, could you teach my son to read, please, or to spell, please? Um, and what ended up happening was uh, you uh, were watching just sort of absorbing these videos that Brittany was watching. She's learning sign language, the, the different. Yep. And you started spelling random words during conversations. Yeah. With your... Yeah, I learned the alphabet, and that was about the extent of my sign language abilities. But <laughs> I learned it really well, and so yeah. I could just I could sp- I'd spell words on the fly. And it, it became a good way for me to learn because I kept my hands busy. Right. Every word became not just a bunch of rules. It was more like... A flow, more like a feeling. Right. Like I could feel the letters in my own hands, wow. and um, you be, you start to recognize kind of patterns for how various sounds are made, mm-hmm. um, and you get familiar with those patterns. So when you hear a word that makes that sound, you can usually guess kind of what the sound, how right. it's going to be spelled, because you're familiar with how it feels. Right. So, and that's so interesting because I mean, I think it was it was an answer to prayer, but it was also letting Jake navigate his way through that learning process and figuring out how he would learn it best. And it didn't necessarily come by him saying, I'll do, I'll learn sign language first. And then I'll, he didn't plan all of that. He just sort of like, it it sort of just flowed, Mm -hmm. you know, it just sort of came naturally. And I think there's so many times that our kids have that ability, but we as moms aren't patient enough to wait for that to play itself out. Mm -hmm. We get worried, we get freaked out and we start thinking, all we're worried about is that they're behind, quote unquote, you know, and I just, I hate that word. I just feel like it's, it's such a a bummer to be uh, in bondage to that because kids are so smart and they're so capable of finding their own way in that learning process. And I guess that's what I saw happen over and over and over again with each of our kids in very different ways. And it was just, it was so fascinating that it really, really rose my level of respect for, how naturally kids learn. And that's why I'm constantly encouraging moms like this is for real. These kids can do this. You know, they're smart, they're intuitive. If we don't, uh, you know, burden them down with all these checklists and things they have to do, you know, and we let them make their way through that process. It's a whole lot more fun and it's a lot more effective. Um, so let's talk about, um, let's move into middle school, high school, cause that's, uh, kind of a transitional time. So kind of what was that transition like for you? We typically, I've shared this before, but we typically did not make our kids do any kind of history or science curriculum in elementary school. And in middle school, we said, hey, you have the option. If you have something you're super interested in, you want something a little more concrete to learn about that with, we're happy to find that for you. It's optional right now. Just know that when you get into high school, it's not optional anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to need to learn you're going to need to do a history curriculum. You're going to need to do a science curriculum. So talk about that transition. And I can't even remember if you decided to do anything. I mean, it wasn't too much of a transition because, well, you started high school and I was, what, 14-ish? Mm-hmm. 
we did it for like a year, but it was mostly self-directed. Like I was, my big focus was math and that was cause, um, that's what I needed and we all knew that's what I needed. So that was where most of my time went. And then, yeah, we did some other stuff, we did some history, um, Right. Pretty relaxed. Didn't it was really, pretty relaxed. Yeah, yeah middle middle school really. years were kind of pretty relaxed. And, yeah, I think you, you yeah. were – at that point, you kind of knew this is the road I want to go yeah. down. So you were really focused on math. And and that was something you spent a lot of time on. And it was a good thing. Yeah. Um, you needed to do that. We did a little bit of, you know, I think reading and summary and all that. Yeah. Um, just for consistency. Yeah. yeah. But it was pretty minor. Yeah. And I think, too, like when it comes to science, I mean – Really, you were studying computer science. I mean, it wasn't biology or something like that, but it was a science. Yeah, I didn't make it through biology. I had a, I had a textbook. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't make it. I hated it. I was like, this is so boring. Um, but then when I went to college, I got into chemistry, and that was this, evidently the science I should have gone with. Um, right. I took chemistry and physics, and those were, to me, far more interesting. Biology right. was too abstract for me. Right. And I was like, this is too much memorization. This is too much. Okay. Could have been a bad textbook, too. Who knows? It could have been. I, I think it was mostly just, yeah, a lack of interest in the yeah, subject. Yeah, it just wasn't something you were yeah. passionate about. I, so. I like, felt kind of bad that I never finished the biology thing, but then, I, like I said, I went off to college. It, and it was like it was irrelevant. chemistry and physics, and those were, yeah, those became, those were the sciences that I was more interested in. Well, and it's really interesting because we get so hung up on, you know, but you got to finish that biology, but you got to finish that, you know, and, and it's like it, it turned out to just be irrelevant yeah, when it was I all said and done. So yeah. just be really careful to, uh, as moms to, to feel that out. Like when it's starting to feel like a lot of pressure for both of you, you know, I think that it's something that we need to be careful to, that maybe it's okay to back off because what ended up happening is that eventually, um, you, so you knew what you were going to do. And then your next step was you wanted to go into running start, which is like a dual yeah. enrollment program. And, and I feel like we're kind of cheating talking about my high school experience because it was right. literally just like one year because I did one year right. when I was like 14. And then I took a year off to build a house and then I went to college. Right. And it was like the high school was kind of a non, it wasn't, yeah. really, it wasn't entirely a thing. <laughs> Somewhat non-existent. <laughs> so, and we'll talk about building a house. I know you're probably freaking moms out right now. We're saying you took a year off to build a house. I thought it was just one semester, but those projects grow. Yeah, those projects grow. So what ended up happening was we we built the house and we built it ourselves. And, of course, it took longer than we expected. And Jake was a lot more involved with that process. Um, and he was learning a ton and doing a ton. And we just – and we needed him, quite frankly. So we decided um, – we just felt peace about letting him go ahead and do this this for that amount of time, whatever, until it was finished. And uh, how was that experience for you? I mean, looking back and it was good. You learn a lot of things that uh, you don't learn in school, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it was me, dad, main contractor and his son. So it was like, we just, I was up there every day doing different stuff. You right. know, I was roofing, I was plumbing, I was doing electrical, I was learning all kinds of new things. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it was just that experience of, of working outside and getting that out of my system. And right. um, I think it's important to for guys, especially to work some kind of job like that mm-hmm. where you're outside working very hard physically. Um, I know I did that and a couple others involved a lot of physical labor. And I think it's just it's an important experience. You appreciate you learn to appreciate a, a hard day's work and a uh, job well done. So Right, right, yeah. right. That whole work ethic thing where it, it – 
plays into not just, you know, your schoolwork, but it plays into your everyday life. And then you have all these experiences to draw from as an adult. Yeah. You know, you remember doing these different things. So it was, I think, really good that I just did a bunch of different things. It kind of, I think it's important to get over the the fear of trying something new. Right. It's like, I didn't know how to do plumbing, but we're going to figure it out. Um, I didn't know how to do electrical, figured it out, you know. Um, And then just spending that time uh, with dad and stuff was was really good. Just kind of that. Some time with him before my life really launched. So. Yeah, it really did. It changed a lot after that, and um, but it was it was a good experience, and I think it was um, it was interesting because it, it, it's unconventional, you mm-hmm. know, to have like a, a normal year of high school, quote unquote, and then basically a year of building, and then you go into you know um, into this dual enrollment pro- program. So you start attending the community college, and it's just a completely different thing but um how was that adjustment um into community college um first quarter was rough but i'm not gonna say that was because i was homeschooled that was just because my teachers were rough it it was it it was was an experimental class wasn't it the way that they were running it yeah and i was not a popular student just because of the way who the professors were and what uh what they valued as opposed to what i valued right um Part was I was not interested. It was, I mean, it was English 101, American Lit, and U.S. History. Like, zero interest in any of those subjects. Right. So, And they were all clumped into one class, but there was credit for each of those things. Yeah, it was like three class. classes all smushed together yeah. into a three-hour. Right. Yeah. So instead of having to figure out one professor and give them what they want, you had mm-hmm. three. Yeah. Which, and, and you your first know, quarter of school, of college, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, and you never knew who was going to be grading your, your stuff, so you couldn't even oh, try. See. Oh, wow. Um, so crazy. it made it... Made it difficult. So, but like I said, that was probably one of the hardest classes I've ever taken. Mm-hmm. And after that, things were fine. <laughs> I went on to do, you know, you know, calculus two was easier, you know, right. than than doing that. So, right. you know, it was like so you started out with the hard stuff first. I guess for me, yes. Some people might find those classes easier just because right. of the type of person there are, they have an interest in that, and right. so they would find it really fascinating. But for me, it just wasn't wasn't there and. Right. Yeah. So, um, but you overcame it. Yep. Got yep, a decent grade I'm, in the class in yep, spite of yep, everything. Despite them. Yeah. They would, they would tear my papers apart sometimes, but, uh, you know what, to be perfect. And they're like, Oh, you're going to need all this as you go into college. Honestly, I never got anything below an A on a paper after that. So, you know, wow, like, so maybe they did you a favor. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know. That is interesting. But yeah, yeah. so they, it was different. Yeah. Sounds like it. I, I remember that vividly. That was a yeah. tough, that was yeah. a tough quarter. You seem to kind of sail after that. Um, But, okay, so I'm looking at my list of questions here. Um, So we always try to, I just want to touch on this for just a minute because I think it's important. Um, In each of these phases, early years, elementary years, middle school, high school years, we always try to give you guys some margin in the afternoon to do to kind of follow your interest. Do you, mm-hmm. do you remember that? I mean, obviously yeah. you were 16 when you started college, so, you know, you didn't get to have that as long as some of the other kids. But no, do you remember that being an important part of your day, something you look forward yeah, to? Yeah, and, like, love was managing workload. Like, we had X number. It wasn't like we had to spend X number of hours working. We, right. It was we had to get X number of lessons done right. in each subject. So if you got up and got your stuff done and got going then you were done at noon and you had the rest of the day right and uh you know that's that can be a great way to incentivize even subjects that they don't want to study right you know right <laughs> that's like, that's pretty much just let them 
Yeah. Yeah. The end goal is to get through it and get his get the answers right, so you can go outside. Then you know right. it's still incentive. Right. But I, Luke's told me the same thing. I, every all yeah. all the boys have said the same thing. Even the girls, all the yeah. kids have said the same thing. That was a motivating factor. Like I knew it was a doable amount that I could get done in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah. So they could overcome it. They could get through it if they were focused and intentional. It wasn't so much that it like oh. My this is overwhelming every single day. You know, yeah, it was yeah. like, okay, this is doable. I might not like this part of it, but I can get through it. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah. And I that's a big deal. I think where I wouldn't have done well in public school because it was like, I'd go to class. I'm like, I'm stuck here till what, 3 p.m. or whenever, right, right. whenever they get out. I don't know. I'm not. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like not knowing what grade you're in. Yeah, yeah exactly. But um, I don't know what time kids get out of school. What time do they get out of school? Three sounds reasonable. Three sounds um, like, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Um, so, but like to know you're there, you know, for an hour each period and right. you're there till three, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to pay attention in class because I'm stuck here. Like if I could go into class and do right. what I need to do and then get leave. your business done. Exactly. And, there, and move on. Yeah. But there's no incentive to pay it like with the traditional class structure. There's no incentive to pay right. attention. There's no incentive to it's about uh, putting get your the, work done. It's, yeah, yeah. it's about putting in the time. Yeah. You literally put, can, you learn pretty quickly that you put in the minimum effort to. Right to satisfy the requirement because right. you just don't want to be there. And I feel like that doesn't just apply to kids. I feel like it applies to adults sometimes, you know, you got to clock your eight. Right. And sometimes it's like, right. there's that tendency to just, you know, I mean, as long as I'm not getting fired, right. I'm still here for the eight hours, but exactly. I can, and I can, and I understand that tendency. So, yeah, well, I think if you've been trained that way throughout, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the school years, um, you wouldn't really have a, you wouldn't know what it feels like to do anything different. Yeah, that makes no, sense. Yeah, and, and you're not incentivized, to, right? And, to but when improve. you know what it feel what it feels like to be incentivized, you can figure out even in a job setting where there are some restrictions, you can figure out how to motivate yourself mm-hmm. to do the job well. There's actually a law. I think it's called Parkinson's law that um, says that any task will grow to the time allotted. So if you have something you need to get done in eight hours, it will take eight hours. If you need to do that same task in two all of a sudden, it can take two hours. Right. And I mean, of course, there's conditions on that, you know. Right. <laughs> of course, <laughs> You can't yes. get everything done in five <laughs> minutes. But like, for the most part, yeah, that's, you, you'd be amazed at how much it applies. If there's something about uh, where your head is in that, yeah, like yeah. how your perspective on it. Yeah. If you suddenly have an end goal and you need to get it done in two hours. You get done two hours. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of homeschooling is we have the, 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 uh, ability to be flexible enough to allow our kids to learn that. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that's, it's one of those intangible things that obviously is not, you know, there's no curriculum out there for that. It's something you have to sort of like navigate with Mm -hmm. your kid each kid differently because each one is yeah. different. And, and I think it's an important skill to have because you learn that when you have to get something done and you're doing it not on a time, but just getting the task done, you focus a lot more. You put less, you go on less tangents. You have to focus more on precise execution of said task. Right. And right. Um, it honestly, I've seen it produce a lot better results just because you're focused on what needs to get done and not filling time. So. Right. Right. That makes perfect sense. Okay. So the transition, um, from, oh, wait, we want to stop for just a second and have you talk to the mom whose son hates writing. This is something that I hear all the time is, uh, moms will, you know, ask me questions about writing curriculum. And I always get really nervous because I'm not, um, 
I didn't use writing curriculum. And I know it works well for some people. I, my gut feeling was it wasn't going to work well for our kids. So we really fell back a lot on reading and summaries. And I like writing, and so I'm pretty good at going over writing. So I didn't feel like, I don't know, it still felt like the minimum, but it seemed to work for us. And so I just had to kind of stick with that. But moms will come, you know, come to me and say, my son hates writing. I don't know what to do. How involved do I really need to get to prepare him for whatever it is he's going to do. And again, that's, we never know what that's going to be. So what's your response to that? I mean, I mean, I've never had to write a paper outside of college. So I'm just, you know, throw that one out there that, you know, a lot of the world today, um, you're composing emails or, you know, writing summaries. Sometimes I write technical documentation, but that's more for software engineers and it's not as, it's more about conveying the information, not about, you know, having the right. five paragraph right. structure. Um, <laughs> but even when it came to college writing, I found most of it, it depended on how you approached it. Like for me, I'm not a creative writer. I don't, some people love to write creatively. And I think those are the people that just pick it up and are, right. they love it. I'm not a creative writer. Um, so a lot of my writing became very technical. Like it was like, okay, they want me to write a paper it needs to have five paragraphs right. or seven paragraphs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I need to fill a word count. So <laughs> it's an introductory conclusion, you know, body paragraphs, each body paragraph. And then you d- take and break each paragraph into various pieces of like introductory kind of sentence to the, to what you, what that paragraph's about. And then uh, maybe some supporting information from one of your references and then some analysis and then kind of a conclusion right. to that paragraph. Right. And it's kind of becomes just one little like tiny paper inside right. of itself. And that was literally how I wrote papers. I would bullet point them and then slowly convert them into sentences. Right. And it just became a very mechanical process for me. Right. And so. Which um, makes sense because yeah. you have a mathematical mind. Yeah, exactly. I was like, so I was just, figuring out how to fill a requirement pretty much. So. I think the biggest part of writing is really just being able to take your thoughts and put it onto paper. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you did it in your own way and mm-hmm. in the way that it, it was needed for what you do. Yeah. And to be fair in college, there is a fair amount of putting thoughts on paper that you don't care about. Right. Like, you know, it's one thing if you're writing about something you're passionate about, right. but it's another thing if you're writing something someone else is passionate about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, and you know, I don't know how many of you are planning, have kids that are planning to go to college. Um, I feel like college is becoming less and less relevant unless there's something really specific that you're, you know, that you know you're going for that mm-hmm. does require a degree. Now, if, if um, we've talked about this before, if it's, maybe there's a mom out there whose son is showing an interest in computer coding and that kind of thing. What kind of direction would you give him? I mean, you chose to get a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot's even happened since you've graduated as far as just what's available out there mm-hmm. for ways to learn this. Are there other ways they can do it? Other I than mean, go to yeah, college? there's lots of programmers out there that are not, that don't have degrees. Um, it's just a nice kind of jump start into the industry. It makes it easier when you're job hunting because right. you don't have to look for the jobs that don't require a degree. Also, I feel like for computer science, at least for me, the degree was helpful. Like, right. um, just because it's, at least our program was just the professors were very level-headed. They were like, this is what you need for the industry. This is what you should be learning. It was very focused on getting you a career. Right. Um, that might not be true for all programs or for all universities. 
Um, it may be less true at some. I feel like for the field of computer science specifically, mm-hmm. it's generally true. Like they generally teach you what you need to know. Right. Um, you're not there for you're not going to college for the sake of going to college. You're going there for a reason. And um, so I feel like in that context, I did because I did walk away with a lot of things that I wouldn't would have taken me a long time to stumble upon. Right. Um, right. And I became I kind of grew an appreciation for computer science as an academic study and right. as um, more of an, it's kind of an art form to, to a certain extent right. when you get into it. Um, it takes a few years to get to that point, but it's, um, I think college was really beneficial for me, mm-hmm. um, but it also depends on what area of computer science you're going to. Right. If you're a front-end web developer, usually there's a little less college requirement. Uh, they don't care as much because you're doing more front-end stuff, it's more about how it looks and that it functions right. smoothly when you're doing, you know, building cloud systems or AIs or things like that, then yeah, you they want to see a, a hardcore computer science background right, is, right. is useful. So it just kind of depends. I'm not going to say it's a requirement, but I found it helpful. Um, and I, I kind of want to scope this out beyond just computer science because there's a lot of things out there that you get a degree in and it doesn't really help you right. at all. Right. So... Um, I think it's important to focus on what the goal is and not what the next step would be like, just right. like what everyone else is doing. It's, right. it's more about what, what, what's the end goal and what's, what's your best route to get there. Right. Cause you've mentioned to me, um, when I've mentioned to you young uh, boys who are interested in coding and want to learn more about it, you know, mm-hmm. could you give a mom direction who's say their kid is 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there and, I mean, I don't know about you moms, but I don't know anything about coding. So I would need some sort of outside resource. I mean, is there a place? Uh, I know you've mentioned some online courses you can take. Um, there's so much out there now. Um, there's The resources for this industry are just ridiculous. There's mm-hmm. so many. Um, but there's just the interest is a little lower. Part of it is the, the learning curve is, mm-hmm. is steep. It's, right. it's a hard industry to get into initially just because it's intimidating right um but, but honestly say they just want to play around with it more they just want to learn more to see if it is something you're interested exactly in. and if they're that young that's they're not as intimidated at that age right. i feel like they, right. don't, they don't have that feeling of i can't do this because there's no there's no failure at that point right like, they can build something or not it doesn't really matter right right and so my encouragement would be just give them the resources to start building stuff and get them get them building stuff and, and you know whatever they're you talked about Scratch. Is it called Scratch? Is that yeah? Scratch is that? Scratch is a program. Um, it was I think taken over by MIT. It's a little drag and drop okay. programming editor. That's kind of fun. There's a few others out there like right. it now. Right. Uh, there's a couple copies and uh, there's lots of stuff. I mean, yeah, I know. A quick Google search will get you all the resources you'll ever need. Right, right. There's um, a there's one um, online school we've been using for the younger kids um, for just different classes, and it's called OutSchool. So that'd be one to go check out because I'm sure that I know they have some computer programming classes in there as well. So you might want to check that out. Okay. So, oh, go ahead. And I would just say on that, it's not as much about what they're, what, what program they're using or whatever. As long as they're building stuff, that's right. You want to foster more of the, the need to build stuff. And Mm -hmm. computer science is a great field because you can build things free. Like it's not like engineering where you actually have to have tools and stuff. Whereas this, you just build something, you can dream it up, you can build it. So, um, 
just let them go wild and they'll they'll figure yeah. stuff out. As long as they're they're having fun, yeah, just enjoying yeah. it. Yeah, that's that's the important thing. Is again, they'll they'll the learning will come with application. Um, all right, so that we have this mom who asked a question about her daughter who's going to be going into nursing, um, but she's a she's conservative Christian and she's concerned about being under liberal professors' teachings and. You've been there before, just being mm-hmm. on a very different page than your professors. Um, so this mom is asking, "Do you fake the work?" Um, and I think what your response to me was, you know, like it, it depends on the major, right? As it to depends. what kind of classes you're going to end up taking. Yeah, and it depends on what you're going into. Um, you know, some require a lot more liberal arts, and that's where you tend to encounter more of that. Um, I feel like nursing is pretty. You were saying it's more science. Yeah, it's a little more science. Yeah. It's just you're not going to run into it as much. Of course, there's always going to be some prerequisites that right. you have to take. Right. But um, I would say, like, when it comes down to dealing with that, it is kind of a pain, but I think it's something you do have to learn. You have to learn to play politics. You right. know, someone has an opposing view, mm-hmm. and you have a view, and you need to learn to navigate that, navigate that, present that in a way that's, and, and that's not really something I can just. You can't give you a magic yeah, answer no, to it's just a, it's like anything else it's a skill you have to learn but it's a skill you do carry right. beyond college right. you carry that into real life you know you go to work and you work yeah, with people that, I like that you don't agree with or you don't yep. and honestly like that's perfectly fine you've learned to navigate that you can be friends with people and, and have and right. be co-workers with people that you don't agree with or right. and, and that's a really good point I, I look again you're you're looking at it like it's not an obstacle it is um it's more like an opportunity it's like, a skill set this yeah. is a chance to learn a skill and then I think I would also encourage you just to listen to your gut you know like if you feel like for some reason there's something you need to mm-hmm. take a stand on and you know you're going to take you know, and you're willing to take whatever uh, mm-hmm. consequences for it, then you should absolutely do it. You know, I, I, again, that's not something you can really tell someone, but I like what yeah. you said about navigating that because mm-hmm. that is a lifelong yeah. skill. So, and they'll, they'll put you in some positions where you have to take a, take a position. Right. And sometimes you just got to take a hit, you know, right? you know that <laughs> having this opinion will hurt your grade. And it's right. just like, if you're good, you've done good work up until then. A lot of times they'll respect that even right. if you have your own opinions, there are obviously some that don't, and right. um, so it's just you just take the hit sometimes. Right. It's like it's a grade, you know. Yeah, I heard once, exactly. you know, what do they call the guy who graduates at the bottom of the class in medical school? And they call him doctor because <laughs> it he's still matter. there. <laughs> so um, you know, it's it's about you know, grades aren't everything. Right. Sometimes you just gotta gotta take a hit. Right. Fine. Right, exactly. Okay, so you went on. Uh, we talked about that you went from the community co- community college to the university, and how was that transition? Was that fine? Was it pretty smooth? Yeah, it was smooth for me. Some people go straight to university, and that's a little that could be a little more of a rough transition um, because right. a lot of times they'll have you living on campus, and it can be a bit more of a change because especially living in the dorms and stuff right. it can be different. Um, I was fortunate; I got I transferred, so I'd already done two years at the community college. I didn't have to live in the dorms. I'd go to class. I'd study computer science. I'd hang out in the computer science building, talk to computer science people, I'd go home. <laughs> Who tend not to be Actually, political. I'd usually go to work, but yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my life, I didn't have a very much campus life. Right. I would say a little bit towards the end there, but um, for the you, most part. You were there to get your degree. Yeah, exactly. And there to do your work. and um, an application. Right. Exactly. There we go again. There's that word again, application. Yep. yep. <laughs> So uh, what would you say are the, really the keys to success in whatever field? 
someone goes into. I mean, I feel like work ethic, you've always mentioned that to me as Mm -hmm. being a huge thing. Um, And that has to do with perseverance. It has to do with grit. Yeah, sometimes you got to, like, see the bigger picture and just, you got to work hard, even though you're not exactly where you want to be now. Right. You got to, like, work for the long-term goal. Right. Um, And then there's some times where you realize that, you need to maybe scale back a little and enjoy life to some extent. You know, you right. can't be miserable all the time, but right. um, it's, you know, like anything else in life, it's a balance. Um, but yeah, I think being successful in the field is a lot of it's, yeah, being able to work hard. If you have that work ethic and you pair it with, with a solid passion for what you do, mm-hmm. um, then I think that's where I've seen the most successful right. people. Right. It's just where they think that what they do actually makes a difference and they want to do it well. And sometimes that's against odds, you know, like sometimes you have a way that you think is the best way to do something and you have good reasons for believing that, but that's not the way everyone does it right now. Right. And you're the odd man out. And so you have to navigate that. You have to, yeah, you've sometimes got to just deal with it, deal with doing things the traditional way for a little while and slowly work your way through and change people's minds. Right. You see that a lot in computer science because there's just new stuff all the time. So it's hard when you work at a company or something where it's like they're doing something a very old, archaic way Mm -hmm. and they're afraid of breaking something or a product going down or something like that. And so it's a very slow transition. And and when you first start, that's not, you don't have the kind of pull to just make a decision like that. So you've got to kind of prove yourself first. Right, and right. again, another skill there and, and patience. Yeah, exactly. Patience. You have to keep working hard the way that maybe you don't agree with long enough to right. gain enough respect to actually have something to, to say, have something to say. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I know that uh, work ethic, I just want to throw this in because, you know, we talk about chores a lot. Um, I talk about chores a lot with moms and that is a really uh, to me, that's sort of a baseline for working, for teaching our kids work ethic, perseverance, grit, mm-hmm. all that, you know, it's yep. just, it's the chores and, um, that's, that's not always easy to do, but, um, I can look back and see that it was one of the best things we did was to make sure that our kids understood that they were part of something bigger than themselves. Because that's another, that's perspective. You know, we want to mm-hmm. give our kids perspective that, you know, you don't get paid when you have a job to come home and clean your bathroom. You know, so no, there's some <laughs> things in life you just have to do. So we didn't pay kids to clean the bathroom. And um, I, think it, I think it also teaches them that about doing work, you know, and like sometimes you're at work and you're doing more than you need to. And right. you're familiar with that concept of right. working for not working for nothing. And right. Working for the sake of doing a good job. Right. And so um, I think it plays into yeah. not only just the things you don't get paid to do, but sometimes the things you do get paid to do going above and beyond. Right. which make you stand out as an employee, you know? So, okay. Um, what would you say to the mom who's freaking out? Cause she's pretty sure that she's not doing enough to get her kid into college or she feels like inadequate because she doesn't have a college degree. (laughs) Well, like I said, I had like one year of high school and then took a year off and then I went to college right after that. And it was like, I survived. Right. So I, I, it's not, if it's something they want to do, they'll figure it out. And I was like, when I was doing college math, I didn't initially test into the math I was hoping for, mm-hmm. but I had two years. So mm-hmm. I took a year and I just studied outside of, you know, utilize those homeschooling skills and mm-hmm. just instead of taking the lower level class, 
Um, I just studied and studied, and at the end of the year, I tested into one class higher than the math I needed to be in. So I was like, so that's so that worked. Yeah, um, it was like this. uh, It's efficient. Yeah, like you're like I'm not going to put in all this time. I feel like I can learn this and pass the class and exactly. yeah I would have wasted more time taking and classes because I had to be there yeah yeah, yeah. and so yeah. it's just like it was kind of nice to do that and um so yeah I wouldn't say I was super super well prepared for college just because of things that had happened building the house and right. stuff but you know if you got an end goal you'll figure it out well I felt I feel like you had motivation and I mean I and I also feel like this is sort of like this is the way our life played out and I do feel like you know God is sovereign over that and he knew and then and then as you went in to college, you had the motivation, you had that application that we've been mm-hmm. talking about. And so, um, there was this motivation to get in there and take the bull by the horns and get done what needed to get done. I remember you telling me when you went into your first English class that they said, and I think this is really important to point out, they said to you, um, forget about everything you learned in high school when it comes to writing. Mm-hmm. Which was great because yeah, we good. hadn't really done a whole lot of that. That's good. Okay, no problem. Already there. done. <laughs> done. Check. What? Go on to the yeah, next thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was. It was interesting because I could have knocked myself out and tried. You know, tried to make you do all this stuff and force you mm-hmm. to do all this stuff to try to prepare you, quote unquote, for college. And the bottom line is, they were. They're telling you they would have undermined all of that. And, you know, maybe there would have been some things you could have used, but, yeah, but you know, in the long run, it just, it still worked out. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that's really the, the main point here. Um, so last question, what is the biggest word of encouragement you can give to moms who are listening today when it comes to raising and homeschooling boys? Now, when I asked him this the first time before we started recording, he said, I've never raised boys. <laughs> I'm like, well, I know that, yeah, but, uh, but just kind of his perspective, your perspective on, um, you know, that could give moms a perspective from, uh, from the boys viewpoint, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of people think they need to teach their kids mm-hmm. and which yes, but the kids are pretty good at teaching themselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just kind of have to let them do it. And mm-hmm. I think they can teach themselves a lot more than most people give them credit for. I agree. Um, especially, uh, especially like boys, you know, they tend to like think they need to teach them a certain format. And it's like, no, just let them run and they'll learn a lot more than you think they would. They can, they can run a lot more of their education at, even at a very young age than you would, than you would expect. Um, it's kind of like in a lot of most of my jobs, it's usually I show up and get thrown into the deep end of something. Um, it's been pretty much every job I've ever done. It's like you show up, and they're like, okay, you're taking care of this whole system. And you're know, like, mm-hmm. it's yours now. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, figure it out. You know, you'll, you're, 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 swim. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> and um, that's usually, it's like, wow, okay, yeah, it was fine. Everything went fine. Right. Like, I had way more ability than I thought I did. Yeah. And I think. Well, I think so. I, I see what you're saying there. I feel like you're saying that because you were allowed to do a lot of your own, navigate a lot of your own learning. Um, being thrown into a situation like that, um, you had more of an ability to figure it out. Like there was like a mm-hmm. memory there of, okay, I got to figure this out because nobody's yeah. standing there telling you do this, do this, yeah. do this, do this. 
you just got to look at the situation, analyze it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, and boys do that a lot in their, in their play and in their, you know, the projects that they want to do and mm-hmm. just this, the stuff that they, we're, they're in so many ways they're they're wired so much differently than girls a lot of the time. And that's not always the case, but, um, I, at least in my experience with five boys, that's, you know, I've seen that difference and it's just, it is really, um, the thing that made it most fun is was was just relaxing. I felt like so. I'm going to talk about this from the mom perspective. Just to relax and enjoy their boyness. They're gonna approach things differently than we do, and it doesn't mean they're missing anything. No, they they will probably approach it from the end goal backwards. Right. Um, they'll say, "I want to do X. What do I need?" Right. You know, it's kind of like being, like I was saying, when you get thrown into the deep end of a, of a new project or something, it's like, I need to do X, what do I need to get there? Right. Um, and that's where they'll fill in their education is right. trying to get to their goal. Right. And that's why it's so great to, to leave them that time to see the things they're interested in and have the time to go after those things. Mm-hmm. That's what that margin was every day in, uh, you know, when, when you guys were home and we gave you those afternoons. Um, so I would say enjoy the boyness, enjoy the differences instead of uh, seeing them as weaknesses. Recognize the strength that is in those differences and focus on those and let them just let them carry that out. I think that's just so important and have fun. I, I'm telling you, these boys taught me how to have fun. They still I they they make me laugh all the time. They've really like expanded my sense of humor and I've never laughed so hard in my life when it comes to some of the stuff they've done, the antics, the, I, I, you name it. I just, they're hilarious. And, um, and they've also taught me a lot about thinking outside the box. I tend to be sort of a rules person and, uh, these boys have helped really just kind of blow, blow the box apart. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, uh, and that's been really cool to see that there's like a lot of different ways you can approach things and mm-hmm. a lot of different ways you can do things. And I think it's, um, I think it's awesome. I think it gives us a, uh, broader perspective and they teach us so much. And, and I think lastly, they're just really, really loyal. I love all of our boys. They're just, um, they're amazing. I have a special relationship with each of them and great memories with each of them and, um, and I, I love it when they're all together. My favorite thing is to sit back and listen to all of you guys talk and just, it, you know, whatever. You know, sometimes you're wrestling. Sometimes you're throwing stuff at each other. And other times you're just having these great conversations. And I just love to sit back and listen because it's just, it's so fascinating. But so I would just say, um, you know, in closing, uh, I, I think because, you know, obviously I'm talking to, to Jake and we're sort of looking at this more from the, the boys' perspective. Um just enjoy those boys. Um, these years go by really, really fast. You know the saying that the, the days are long, but the years are short. And that is so, so true. Um, pretty soon all those uh, stinky socks and all that other stuff is, is a distant memory. <laughs> but uh, enjoy them while they're there. Enjoy their boyness. Um, enjoy their strengths. And uh, um, and just be encouraged today. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, close in, in prayer before we in the podcast. Uh, thanks again for listening. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for these moms and for their desire to raise their kids um, for you and to give them 
a solid start in life, to prepare them for the purposes that you have for them, Lord. I just pray that you would bless each mom that's listening, that you would give her wisdom and insight and inspiration um, as she listens, um, that she would have really specific direction for her own specific kids. And uh, I just pray uh, for peace in these households and just a continued blessing on these families. In Jesus' name, amen.